60% of the people I actually taught, I don't know how much better they actually wanted to get. Wow, good for you for making the for making that statement. Yeah, I I mean I think they. But you're blaming them. You're just, well, of course. <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm an amazing coach. I mean it is never me. Welcome to episode number 26 of the Shankcast. Appreciate you joining us today. Hope you're doing well on and off the court. Really interesting topic today. The, <laughs> I'm just going to read right off the. There it is. Why most private lessons are a ripoff. Mark, you really, you really went for it here on this this title. Oh yeah, and I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I didn't it. hold anything back, and that's why we're here because we are able to talk about these things where most <laughs> tennis pros that work at traditional clubs they can't. You can't talk about no. this. But we, I, I mean, and you might if if you're in full time like career club employee kind of coach, like you might completely disagree with us. Uh, in the first place, yeah. depending on, I, and I have no idea what Matt, Matt and Mark's you know opinions are going to be on this. I think just based on the wording <laughs> that Mark <laughs> wrote up, maybe we can kind of infer a little bit of. I want to clarify though: there are coaches out there, and there are classes out there where private lessons are totally, totally worth a dollar. But my argument is most of them are not. Interesting. Well, we've got uh, we've got some some beers here. This is a. Oh yeah, that was good. It's Friday, late afternoon, almost five o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Cheers. And this is a this is a serious topic. So we. Uh, get my hard drive. Oh yeah. Yeah. We need to Thanks. make sure we're prepared here. So, Mark, you're you're the one that wrote up the question. So why don't you kind of lay the the groundwork here and maybe give us your thesis, <laughs> your your opening argument. Correct. And then we'll go around the table, and I guess from there, you know, we can bounce off. Matt can either agree or disagree. And then uh, I'll I'll do the same after Matt. Oh, and I can't wait to read the comments on this one because this is <laughs> this is going to be good, and uh-huh. that's perfectly okay. And so what I realized growing up is, um, first of all, tennis is super expensive. I grew up from an immigrant family, lower class, only child, thankfully, so they could put me in a relatively well-to-do sport like tennis to keep me off the streets and to have some discipline and to be in good physical shape as you know as their only child, which is actually kind of scary if you think about it. But it's one of those things where when I was growing up in Illinois in the late 90s, early 2000s, a one-hour private lesson was $40. And now at some of these local clubs in the Milwaukee area, which I'm not going to name, it's like $80 to $100 mm-hmm. for an hour lesson. On so top that of, high in Milwaukee? Yeah. I thought it was more like 60 70 uh, no, range. But really? that's also on top of the membership fee you have to pay to be a part of that club. Right, yeah. And that model is pretty apparent in almost all the Midwest yeah. and possibly in other states like you know i think that's pretty standard yeah, yeah. It's, i would probably yeah the the price range is pretty accurate throughout mm-hmm. through across the board but the thing is i'm starting to realize that again most not all most of these lessons are not worth it because it's just a coach giving you maybe two to three drills for the 45 minutes you pick up ball for maybe seven minutes you take a break <laughs> to filler and then literally it's like a template uh, the last 15 to 10 minutes just work on serves so it's that copy and paste and you're paying up to $100 an hour for that. And to be honest, most of these pros, I'm realizing, I said most, they really don't care. They're in it for the money. They just do it full time. I said most. Let me, let me, I'm going to come to the defense of the pros sure. a little bit uh, first, and we'll kick it over to, to Matt. A, I don't disagree with anything you just said. 
at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, completely on the same page. Uh, two things as far as like the coaches uh, not uh, sorry. Well, how did you phrase it? Not caring. Not not caring. They're again. Most of them are just in it for the money. They just stand be- yeah, yeah. beside the cart and just feed balls <laughs> for forty five minutes. Yeah. So I think we'd we'd all like to believe that teaching or coaching kind of everybody views it through the lens of like oh there's such a uh, uh, kind soul to <laughs> to uh, dedicate their lives and careers to building up you know others and like helping them reach their goals and all that sort of thing but at the end of the day it's just like any other job (laughs) it's like certain people are going to find their way into those positions because they needed to pay the bills and they had some skills that were already tangential you know to whatever the position Mm -hmm. is right oh why don't i you know i could probably teach you know i should get a summer job teaching tennis and they're like oh wow i made pretty good money like I don't really want to go back to school to get a boring like desk. I'll just kind of keep teaching tennis. Yep. And a lot of teaching pros, I think, kind of back into the industry mm-hmm. uh, that way. And just like any other profession in, in life, whether you're an accountant or Good work at a ones. grocery store or like, or you're a teacher, we all want to believe teachers are like saints. Mm-hmm. And many of them are. Like there's some incredible, you know, mentor, you know, teachers out there. But the majority, I think, are just trying to earn a check. Yeah. Yeah. And so they are using the template. They a hundred percent. It's like, oh, we'll work on your backhand for ten minutes. Work on your <laughs> your forehand for ten minutes. Oh, hit a couple of volleys and then you finish off with the with the serves at the end. Hundred percent. It's just like the rinse repeat, rinse repeat. And if you teach next to those coaches for a day, day after day, week after week, month after month, you'll hear them give the same lesson to everybody who yeah. walks on the court. Over and over and over and over again. So if they're teaching that same lesson over and over again, it would make a lot more sense to just kind of post it on YouTube, right? <laughs> it's a little bit more scalable that way. <laughs> yeah, but you don't you don't keep making money off it that way. <laughs> so anyway, so I and there's I, some I want to kick it over to Matt, but there there's one other thing I want to say in defense of coaches, but uh, but I'll save that I'll save that. Uh, so I, I'm man, I, I'm in a I've. I feel I always feel awkward talking about this topic because on one hand I actually totally agree with your position mark but on the other I feel I feel a certain responsibility uh in my in my position to yep. not crap on the rest of the industry right. <laughs> <laughs> even though, even though for the most part I totally agree with with yeah. everything you said Matt Yeah so I'm going to take actually a different angle on this and and I agree with it too and and we've all taught next to Bad coaches and, and some like, of good ones too. Yeah, a, a lot of good ones and more. I think it's it's passion for what you're doing, no mm-hmm. matter what you're doing. And you can give an okay private lesson, but if you're upbeat and happy, and you, if you're observing it and not like completely like you know focused in, but you're the court uh, teaching next to it, it yep. might be like, hey, that's uh, sounds like it's going well, just because of the energy yep. and all that good stuff. But to go back, so I'm going to take a different angle. I think the reason why most private lessons are a ripoff is because the clients don't know what the hell they're doing. Oh. That's that's connected to what I was going to come back to. So here's the thing. If you're taking currently private lessons and you go to your coach, I want to work on topspin, forehand, let's say. And the coach works it for 45 minutes and then does the standard 10 minutes of service. Because, like, what the hell else am I going to do? Get water, pick up the balls. Do you need water? That's, like, the best question for a coach. So my question to the the students, to the clients that are taking these lessons, 
from the next time you're taking your lessons, have you done anything mm-hmm. to improve your topspin forehand? Have you acted on anything the coach anything told you? Anything he yeah. told you. The next time you go for your lesson, are you working yeah. on that same shot? Or are you like, now, now I want a one-handed backhand? And it's like, but Whoa. does the coach have responsibility in providing uh, homework and following up with the students to make sure think, that they put in the work? Yeah, I mean, I think a like a good coach will see where the track is, and and I'm assuming we're talking about repeat lesson takers because we all have the band aid lesson takers, right? They take one and they're done. Yeah. Um, but let's say this is a repeat. Yes, I think they a good coach should definitely provide some sort of action plan for that. But I think on the student side, realistic expectations also are my shot is going to be fixed quickly Mm -hmm. and they don't actually want to put in the time. So my analogy to it is my wife's uh, sister. So my uh, sister-in-law, she's been in the fitness industry basically her whole career. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like going on a personal training session, doing it once and you're coming back next week and you're going to eat pizza and Chinese food. And and it's just like, (laughs) And and the trainer's like, did you did you eat clean this week? Well, no, I you know I had a couple beers, and it, it to me it's the same thing. So I think personally, it starts with the student, um, and I would say, and again, this is just my professional uh, years. A I don't know sixty percent of the people I actually taught, I don't know how much better they actually wanted to get. Wow, good for you for making the for making that statement. Yeah, I I mean I think they. But you're blaming them. You're just well, of course. <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm an amazing coach. I mean it's never me. So, um, but but I think I think it's but then it, it it does go to the coach too because you do have people that will, you know, they'll text and say, hey, I had a tournament this week or I had a, a league match and I got my second serves in, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, you know, sure. And I, but I, I'm going to put a little more of this actually on the client versus the coach. And that's a good point. That's actually an angle, and you're right. That's an angle I didn't think about when you know writing this somewhat negatively, you know, phrase question. But yeah, I mean, as a client, you want to get your money's worth, so you need to have some sort of homework, like in personal training. You know, stop eating pizza every night. Right. Stop eating, doing all these bad habits. But yes, there is a responsibility for the consumer. To be able to say, hey, what can I work on between now mm-hmm. and our lesson next week for you know the next hour? I will say though, I will turn this back. I'm that, gonna piggyback off of that, by the way. Correct. So save that in your hard drive, yeah, real yeah, quick, yeah. or flash drive, real quick. But what I'm seeing on the what I'm seeing on the court, sometimes, most of the time, in these um, private lessons for its indoor, outdoor, you know, that type of private lesson, is during that hour or so that coach is actually not hitting with the student. They're just feeding. Yeah. They say, hey, good job, good job. Kind of that um, skit that you and Ira did at Essential <laughs> that Tennis. Was, that was so good. Well, I mean, it's ever. so good. There's, I mean, there's, it's funny because there's a lot of truth behind it if yeah. you think about oh, it. Oh, we, yeah, we specifically, when we when we planned out that video, uh, that was our goal was to to find the most cliche Yeah actions phrases drills like things that we all actually have seen again and again yeah. and again and which is why the video like did so well is because every, if you read the comments everybody's basically like oh shoot that's my code yeah. <laughs> like well and, and what was it you showed me uh when i first joined it was was it trevor noah the brush uh, yeah what that was yeah, yeah, yeah. so good getting ready for his uh uh uh, his match with Federer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just brush the brush, ball. Just brush. Yeah. 
Have you ever seen that? <laughs> no, Tre- Trevor Noah. Oh, it's unbelievable. So it's incredible. Awesome. It's exactly what you're uh, it, talking about, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it was a charity event that he was preparing. Yeah, for. he was playing okay. with yes. uh, Feder, or he's playing with Nadal against, or the other way around against Bill Gates and ah. and Feder. Yeah. Okay. And they basically hooked him up with some. Some coaching Some ahead coach, of time, so yeah. he, so he could get the ball back over the net. This this is crazy. So we get, um, I get the tennis coach, but now there's this confusion because yeah, the, the, the 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 Roger Federer people phone the tennis coach and they go, hey, this guy needs a coach, and they uh, the tennis coaching place is like, what does he need a coach for? They're like, oh, he's playing tennis against Roger Federer, so they think I'm a professional, <laughs> so they go, oh, we've got the right person. This guy trains professionals. I'm, I need to be taught like a child. I don't know how to play the game. So I get there, and he's like, he's from Eastern Europe, so he's like, very, he's like, okay, you ready to play some tennis? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. He's like, okay, how much have you played before? I was like, nothing. He's like, yeah, funny guy, okay. <laughs> let's, he's like, let's hit the ball. And then he hits Jokovic, it to me, huh? and then I do my thing, and then the ball goes. He's like, oh, you haven't played in a while? I was like, if a while is life, then yes, a while. <laughs> So he says to me, he's like, okay, hit again, hit again. And then after like five or six, he looks at me, he's like, you, you, how much you play? I said, I've never played. He's like, but you're playing Roger Federer in two months. Then I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, this, this is big problem for you. (laughs) So now he doesn't really know how to coach me. And so what he does is, this is like the most amazing thing. He like hits the ball to me and he doesn't know how to teach me because I'm just useless. And see, so he just keeps going. He's like, Trevor, he's like, okay, just brush the ball. The ball comes, then I hit it, does nothing. He's like, no, brush the ball. So I'm like, try. He's like, no, brush the ball. But he doesn't change his instruction. He just keeps saying, he's like, brush. Okay, now brush it. Brush it. No, brush it. No, brush it. No, brush it. Brush the ball. No, you didn't brush it. You got to brush it. What did I say? I'm like, brush it. He's like, brush it. When it comes, don't hit. Try to brush. Try to brush the ball. I'm trying my ass off. I'm trying to brush this ball. It's not going anywhere. Brush, 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 brush. Like a week and a half of brushing. The ball does not go to the other side of the net. I'm panicking. I'm like, I'm gonna look like an idiot in front of 52,000 people and streamed around the world. Then I've moved to an- another place where I've got to get another coach because I'm coaching in every city where I'm doing comedy, where I'm touring. And oh. then I get another coach. And her name is Netta, and she's also from Eastern Europe. And this is hilarious. So she goes, I meet her on the day one. She's like, so your, your people tell me you need coach. I'm like, yes. She's like, do you play tennis? I'm like, oh, a little bit. She's like, hit the ball for me. I hit, she's like, you don't play tennis. Let's start again. <laughs> and so we like practice for about an hour. And then finally, she's like, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. And then she comes to me and she's like, you know the bed, you know what your problem is? I'm like, what? She's like, you brush the ball too much. You need to hit the ball. Hit the ball. So, stand up bit. That was like my journey. That I can play now. Oh, so I can good. play. So obvious. How, how good of an illustration that, is that? That's basically, a very it, slight exaggeration from what we see on a day-to-day basis for most of these private lessons. We were mm-hmm. talking about the carbon copy like yep, nature yep. of like how coaches just get into their rut and it's the only way they know how to like see the tennis Correct. world is whatever their cliche like phrase or word is. Yeah. That's like all they have. And I'm guilty of it too. Like one thing I start to see myself or to hear myself talk is <laughs> not brush but like bend your knees. Bend your knees. Bend your knees. Bend your knees. And that's when I was like, oh, you know, I got to take a hold of myself and I'm sounding like a broken record. This student of mine has heard it 10 times in a matter of 10 minutes and not receptive. Okay, I got to change some things. But unfortunately, from what we've seen, that happens to almost a lifetime for some of these coaches. But that's the crazy thing is that is that coach that he took and, and it, maybe it was, it was just a bad match. Like I'm, I'm, tr- I'm always going to try to give the benefit of the doubt to yeah. 
to coaches because I'm I'm just a nice guy, I guess. <laughs> but um, that's the thing. He's probably making six figures a year, mm-hmm. just repeating the yeah. same stuff to lesson after lesson after lesson, day after day, week after week, year after year. Uh, and so, th- to me, that kind of exemplifies like your you know title of yeah. this. It's like. At what point does a coach need to actually go outside of his own box and come up with a unique solution to fit a unique student? Because every student's going to need a little yeah. bit different way of understanding how to overcome the problem. Yep. And if they don't have 50 different ways of explaining the same thing, then you're only useful to one out of 50 students. Right. Well, is that, do you think that's um, like an identifying the problem slash intelligence thing or is that a passion thing i think it's a passion I, thing. passion okay. yeah definitely yeah. i mean I, I think for for it do you want to learn how to do it 50 ways yeah mm-hmm. in in, in that of the way that works for you right and <laughs> and if you think about and go back kind of the carbon copy lesson right if you bring somebody on the court and they hit a couple good forehands which let's say you were working on yep and they got a great sweat they typically come off that court and say that was a great lesson Okay, it's the nature of tennis. We have a very tough thing of like what we're working on versus what is actual success. Now, if you took a student and you changed their grip slightly and you did shadow swings, drop hits, and feeds to work on that mechanic, especially on the adult side. The yep. kids side are more like sponges and they'll they don't know what's a good lesson or not. Yep. That adult would probably 9 times out of 10 come out and say that wasn't worth my time. But it got that, the job done. It, it, I don't disagree, but it's it's the optics of kind of changing what. This is where I wanted to piggyback. Yeah, what yeah. what what is really success and what you're spending your money on, and I think that's the other thing too is if if the student has a clear grasp of why they're spending their discretionary income, mm-hmm. that's step one. Yeah, are are you doing it for exercise? Are you doing it to really get better? And you can do that in so many different ways. But are you are you going to take on the also the responsibility and, and on the coach's side too of like, okay, Ian wants to learn a new backhand. I can't do 20 minutes per private lesson once, work, a, week. once a week on his backhand. Like if this is what you really want and, and you do have to, as a coach, you do have to push back on the student. Yep. Like, no, no, no. If this is what you want, this is how we're going to have to get there. It's going to be a lot of time and mm-hmm. effort and things like that. Yeah, Mark, you said, but it gets the job done. I think the question that needs to be asked is, what job does the student want to get done? Well, yeah, and if there's a student that just wants a workout and a glorified ball machine at $100 an hour on a court on an indoor you know, tennis facility, okay, go ahead. But here's the problem. Most students want that, but they aren't honest enough with themselves or with the coach to actually realize that it's actually what they want. Yeah. Because when it push comes to sh- when push comes to shove, if you ask them if they want to change their grip and get worse for a month before they get better, the vast majority of tennis students do not want that. They they don't want that path. So is it the idea of instant gratification? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this comes back to uh, Matt earlier was talking about the fitness example. At the end of the day, most humans don't want to change their habits, and so. Going to the gym and taking that personal training session, it's like almost, almost, man, I'm about to sound really cynical. It's almost kind of like a virtue signal, like move, like, see, like I'm, I'm going yeah. to like do my part. Like I'm, I'm trying, like I'm working. My favorite is they're posting on Instagram, <laughs> social media. 100%, yeah. 100%. Like it's, 
it's like a plague at that point. Yeah, hundred percent. They're just doing it for the show. And then they leave and they, they go about their daily life the way they, they you know normally do it. Yeah. And they, they don't actually make any sacrifices to reach the goals that they would really, truly like to achieve mm-hmm. because they just don't want to be that uncomfortable. And it's the same thing in tennis. People will tell you when they sign up for a private lesson, well, that's why I'm signing up for a lesson. I want to get better at tennis. Mm-hmm. But when they hit their serve and you're like, like, oh, we, like <laughs> we, we have some work to do here. And they're like, ah, uh, can't you just give me like a little, like, like a little tip or yeah. like a tweak? Because, you know, I don't really want to make it that hard. I don't want to change that much. So just give me a little something that'll yeah. make it like five percent better. And I can do that, but it's not going to actually move the needle in a meaningful way for the for the student. Correct. So I think there's a disconnect for students. They think they want to get better, but what they really want is activity and exercise and yep. almost the illusion of like improvement. And so career tennis coaches get in a rut of providing yeah. that service for most of their clients. So your solution is, assuming each party, both the client and the coach knows what they want, it's actually the coach's job to say no. Yeah. This That's, is not how we're going to do I'm actively things. in that. <laughs> yeah. In that yeah. Pl- yeah. Where like I live in Wisconsin and charge a lot for my time and those gateways mm-hmm. automatically filter out. There's nobody in the whole city of Milwaukee that wants to take lessons from me uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I do. Nobody, <laughs> nobody here takes it seriously enough that it's actually worth it for them yeah. to come here and spend time with yeah. me. Um, and so I've kind of filtered out all of the the tire kicker, like uh, activity seeking, you know, students because I don't want to provide that service. Yeah. Um, and that's what most students want is that kind of service. Mm-hmm. But my argument against from a consumer perspective, right, is there's nothing wrong with activity. There's nothing wrong with having a good oh, sweat. Right. They just need to be honest about why yes. they're showing up. But they could do that with a friend. They could do that with a hitting partner that they could do yeah. trade off lessons let me, with. Yeah, let me be really I'm not ju- I'm not yeah. casting shade or like yeah. judgment on like if you just want that act that activity, if you want that exercise, then awesome. Like God bless you. That, that's fantastic. Just don't come to me and tell me you want to get better and then push back against everything I ask you to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think to highlight that though, too, is again, kind of going back to my earlier point, when you're trying to make big changes of muscle memory, it has to be broken down from the core, you yep. know, stripped down. And then you build upon that where if you look at kind of what you said, it's a project. Yeah. Even if I started on a progression of like a, a stereotypical lesson, right? You start yeah. off a little, assuming this person can hit the ball back and forth, like a three, five lesson. You start a little mini tennis. Yep. Maybe you both go back to the baseline. You hit some ground stroke. One comes up to the net, all that, you know, stereotypes. But if you, again, I kind of go back on the other side is if I said, all right, I'm going to spend this whole lesson with me on the same side of the net as you, I bet you if, I got 10 lessons, 10 new clients. I bet you eight of them would not come back. Mm-hmm. And and I would get two that were like, hey, I love that. I actually, I'm starting to figure out X, Y, and Z, but I bet you that, you know, and as a, as a tennis coach, if that's your percentages of retain, retention, you're going to be trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a lot of trouble right that's there. That's where I'm starting to notice. I'm not saying this because I fall into this category, but something I'm starting to notice is the best private lesson type of coaches are actually people that are part-time because they have passion. They have energy to maintain a full clientele. I don't have to keep you, but if you do come, 
I will give you passion. I will give you good advice. I will tell you things you don't want to hear to make you a better tennis player. Well, and, and you think, you know, being in the industry full time, I mean, you've been you know doing essential tennis for a long time now. But before that, you know, even our internships, I mean, the reality is simple. It, it's hard to be on. 45, 50 hours yep. to, to have, even if you're the most passionate person to have that energy, to be in a mental and physical job to exert that day in, day out. And, and I mean, it's, it's really challenging. Mm-hmm. And then it's like everything else. Like we joked about, uh, when you coach with somebody else is, you know, I could go to Ian and say, Hey, I'm, I'm just, I don't have it today. Like I need you to have a little more energy for me to like piggyback off you. But if Ian comes in and he's not feeling it and I'm not feeling it, it's like nobody's feeling it. And that's the same as the student, right? If the student's kind of more down to, and and I I personally think it's a coach's first job to kind of lift their spirits up, you know, to provide that passion. But I I just think, like you said, I I just think that the, the whole model in my personal opinion of tennis is super antiquated to start, right? We don't use as much technology. I mean, essential tennis does, but overall yeah. like clubs don't clubs don't put in the money for that. I mean, you look at every golf private golf thing, they have cameras everywhere. It's embarrassing for it, it is in, in you go to a country club and you look at what's being provided yeah. in a private golf oh, lesson or a private tennis lesson. And, and, and it's not to say the, the pros couldn't go that way, but when you're the tools they get versus other industries, but the clientele been, doesn't necessarily want it. Either. I don't disagree. At with congressional, that. Uh, I offered video analysis, and nobody wa- no. nobody wanted it. I no. offered this is in two thousand and like seven so before okay. this essential tennis thing yeah. became a thing. I offered uh, uh, a login portal for members to be able to uh, go in and see the stroke analysis from their last like lesson. Yeah, nobody and nobody <laughs> wanted it. So why why the hell are you taking lessons then if you want to improve? If you don't want to break down a stroke from a third party perspective, exercise. Yeah, you, you answered your own social thing. socialization. Yeah. Um, it's insane because it's a. I mean, and Matt and I, I think, spend most of our time yeah. in private, like club environment, yeah. where where people are paying that money for the community kind of aspect. Yeah. So it's a status. Well, thing. I don't even know. Not if necessarily it's, status, but yeah. it's it's more relational. Um, uh, building relationships yeah. and having an outlet for your social kind of engagement type stuff. But but I think of this too is. And that's right. not every tennis player, by yeah. the way. No, no, definitely not. And, but I, I think about it as, you know, I've gotten older too, is so a couple of years ago, me and a bunch of buddies, we, we went from a softball league to a bowling league. Like it's just yeah. guys drinking, having fun, right? If they said, hey, we're going to do a weekly bowling lesson to try to get better, I would take it. I would spend the money, yeah. but I would not put any more time into that because I just don't have the passion. That's not why you're showing up. <laughs> showing up to have a beer with a guy exactly yeah. and, and and that's okay and i think it, it like kind of going back what ian said it's it's really just looking in the mirror mm-hmm. of why you're actually here and then so i actually got an email um in the essential tennis uh box it was probably like a week ago and they were asking advice like how to approach a coach about their coaching style and it was a group lesson and I said, first thing I said to her, I'm like, okay, tell me a little more what's going on. And, and she was saying, they're doing different drills on different courts. Okay. And, you know, it's only an hour and a half drill, a lot going on. So they're not getting so many little tidbits, a lot to take in. And I said, okay, well, first thing is, do they have a theme? 
and they said she said yes. I'm like, okay, well, whatever that theme is, focus on one thing you want to try to accomplish in that theme. So if you're you're going to the net, like um, trying to hit a first volley, what whatever that is, I don't know what particular work on, and. And then she's like, oh, that's great advice. And I said, well, the other question I have is, have you ever, like, in a a very calming, positive way, ever talked to the coach about what you might want to work on? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, absolutely not. I was like, well, there's your problem right there. I said, if you want something in particular, and again, how your tone comes off mm-hmm. really s- sets it. But I said, if, if you would like to work on something or say, hey, you know, if we're working on X, Y, and Z, I would like a little more technical instruction. And if they're not going to give it to the rest of the class, that's fine. But yeah. no coach is going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to blow you off. They'll, they'll be like, hey, you need to change your grip. You need yeah. to do that. So I think that as well. is It's it's not an easy conversation because... But there's responsibility on both sides. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the student has to take ownership. But like, if they're not getting what they right. need, then they, they have to, you have to take ownership as the player to communicate to the coach and be like, can you give me what I need? Like it's a give and take really like, yeah, you're paying them for their time. Yes. They're the expert, mm-hmm. but you are paying their mortgage and paying <laughs> yes. their, you know, utilities and their, their food and everything else. So, so I think I know what Ian's answer would be. So let me ask you this, Mark. Okay. Okay. So you have these coaches, right. That are given the carbon copy template lesson. Okay. Why in your opinion are students coming back? Because the students, part of it you guys already touched on. They don't know what they want. Second of all, they're afraid, again, vast overgeneralization. They're afraid to kind of explore what is out there, what else is different. So, you know, obviously if you're in high school and you're a mid-level varsity player around the area, you know, you're going to go to a few clubs around this area, which I won't name. And that's what you're going to stick with. You're not going to branch out to your local park. And, you know, when you're hitting with your friends, oh, there's this guy that's, you know, 30, 31 giving a good private lesson. I think it's hard for people, like whether you're adults or your kids, to approach that type of person yeah. in kind of in a, in a public setting. And, you know, the worst thing I could say is no. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just the idea of, you know, not having as much information like, oh, I could do that to have like a good quality lesson at literally a quarter of the price. Right. So, yeah, part of it is the responsibility of not only the coach. I know I've been bashing on the coaches all day for this this podcast, but also the responsibility of the client to identify the issue and see what else they could do better to ask around and have a better quality service yeah. at a better price. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's just to boil I think that's a good answer. Boil it down, I think people are afraid of change. Mhm. Uh, they don't want to leave the status quo. Uh, wherever all the good players take lessons, yeah. it's like, oh, well, obviously, like yep. that's that's where I need to be going. And whatever style those lessons are, like nobody really argue. And, and how how could you? Like if you're a a parent, like trying to help your high performance or whatever high school level, you know, junior player try to develop. Like who are you to be like this? Is wrong when everybody else is doing it. Yeah. And so I feel for the you know on the student side of things. Um, you know, you're kind of put in a in a difficult position, and that's yeah. There's responsibility on both ends, but, um, but hmm. but I think the other thing too that's really difficult for the the consumer side of things too is if you think about it, right? Tennis coaches are based on their playing merits to start. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Uh, it is, but I mean, yeah. if you look at a bio of every 
and again, it's really hard to say, like, unless you've taught at, you know, you do see some, mm-hmm. hey, uh, coached, um, you know, kid to sectionals yeah. or states. Yeah, and all, all, of, yeah. but again, that was, or... that was never my specialty. Like, yep. I, I, I didn't have a passion to teach that level, like, of kids. I didn't want to deal with the parents and all that good stuff. <laughs> um, but it, it's pretty funny because, like, Ian Westerman played at Ferris State University. It just goes through this long list of you, your playing career. It has nothing to – and it's hard to put, like, coaching, like, how good of a coach you are on on paper. Yep. Um, but I would just say, too, on, on, you know, on the consumer side of things, you're going to have to, unfortunately, probably test the waters a little yep. bit, right? Go to that coach. If you have a connection for whatever you're looking to work on, great. If you don't feel like you're getting your money's worth for whatever reason – no. If you if you think it's a lost cause, that's one thing. If not, approach the coach, but then move on. You yeah. know, do do something else. I think a lot of consumers feel very stuck. Like yes. they they feel froze. They're like fearful of uh, of pulling the ripcord. Yeah. and being like, I'm going some. Like they feel like it's a the coach is going to be offended, or it's like a judgment on the club or the coach or whatever. And and, and this is kind of going back on the coach. Is like you have to have. Well, I think most people in the tennis industry have some pretty thick skin. Well. Not everyone. Not everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sensitive. Some are too. But I'll never forget, I was uh, one of my first clubs. Like, I took a kid basically from scratch up almost to like 10, and they were starting to play tournaments. They were getting good. Good. And I approached the parents and I said, I have to pass off this student to this coach at There's the same time. not club. a lot of coaches that'll do and that. And I'm like, I just, I'm not, th- this is beyond my like wheelhouse. Was it a timing issue or like? No, no, no. I just didn't think I could get that kid okay. where yeah. th- th- there was like some serious potential. That's a lot kid. of guts and for I was you just to say like, that. He needs That's to rare, go, yeah, rare, to yeah. this coach. But like, I wasn't hurt about it because, you know, pat myself on the own back. I had a pretty good personality. I was probably going to fill that billable hour with somebody else. Yep. So I wasn't. I was never intimidated. Like I'm going to start losing clients now. Um, I was like, this is the best thing for the kid. Yeah. Um, but on the adult recreation side, I don't think you get a ton Correct. of that where you have to do that. But. But again, I think that's tough too because I always like, hey, we're the coaches are a team here. Like mm-hmm. that we're in the best students uh, or best interest of the students. But it's it's a lot more of, unfortunately, um, they're all kind of we're all in it for ourselves, and it shouldn't be that mentality. Yeah. But it, it gets that way. Well, I mean, like if your mortgage, if your college fund for your kids, you know, bottom line money is dependent on it. You're going to try to get your clients to come back, whether yep. or not you say things to improve yep. them in the future. There you or go. Not. There yeah. you go. Yep. And that's It shouldn't have taken tough. us this long to, to get to that, but yeah. I think you just hit the nail on the but head. That's, yeah. that's freaking tough. The cookie cutter lesson, in my opinion, is direct response to providing the consumer yeah. yep. what they come back for. Yeah. Yep. But the thing is, the consumer doesn't know what they want, as we yeah. have touched on. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like almost like a plague of I wouldn't say just American tennis, but you're seeing this in several different industries as well. Yeah. Where if you see a physician and say, "Hey, you got to cut this out, otherwise you're going to be very sick." Well, I don't want to hear that. I'll go see another physician. Right. And it's gonna Thanks. it's gonna kick your butt ten years down the road when you know you're you have very unhealthy symptoms because <laughs> of your lifestyle because you didn't listen to that doctor that actually was very very good. Do you have a five o'clock group? Yep. Okay, so they're here. So we need to wrap up. So, so bottom line here: private lessons are a ripoff if it's a cookie cutter coach providing cookie cutter f- feedback. Yeah, 
Agreed. Agreed. It's Agreed. like same same yep. phrases, same words. Like every single student, every single day. It's probably not worth your money. Yeah. Um, what are other kind of conclusions that we can? Like, it's a ripoff. If like kind of finish the sentence. Yeah, I would just say it's it, it's a ripoff if you don't. So I'm going to go a little more general. If it's a ripoff, if you don't feel like you got your money's worth. And, and at the end of the day, if you feel like I said, if that seventy dollars was worth that one hour kick-ass workout it's not a ripoff totally agree. It, it, it's it's totally whatever agree. you deem the value of your time and your money that's it and yeah. and and i think that's the other thing everybody has this different what they what they're trying to get out of it and that's the same thing like the students are are all different too and that's yeah. a, gr- a great coach has to be in in a club setting has to be a chameleon some yeah. want very technical some yeah. want relationship based so some want therapy sessions. Therapy yeah. sessions. Others want steps on their Fitbit. Right, exactly. <laughs> and my opinion, um, if it's a ripoff if you just feel like you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again and you've kind of hit a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And again, this is coming back to what Ian and Matt said, where at that point it's up to the consumer to really reach out with different avenues or different options. That could be a different coach, a different club, or approaching you know, this person that you see teaching at a public court. Just try it. It's right. the worst that could happen. All right. Well, we're out of time. It's a great time. That was a good one. We could yeah. probably, with enough beers, we could probably <laughs> we could solve. <laughs> yeah, we could solve that problem right there. <laughs> yeah, we, we could definitely talk about that for hours and hours. Uh, thank you so much for listening today. Hope you enjoyed it, and make sure to tune in next time. Matt and Mark, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys next time. Yep.